Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. I am your host of The Quick Brain Show, Jim Quick, your brain coach. And today we are going to talk about the powers of a bittersweet outlook. And this is an episode I've really been looking forward to. And I want to welcome to our show, Susan Kane, who's the author of the best-selling book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop talking. Many people know my story of I didn't want to be seen. I wanted I wanted to be invisible and I was always shrinking in, in school. And this book made me feel feel seen. And Susan's TED Talk has been viewed uh, tens of thousands of times. I think I'm directly responsible for at least 1 million of those uh, views myself personally. So her new masterpiece is called Bittersweet, How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. And I love this book. This is my, this is my favorite new book, Susan. So thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jim. It's always just so great to see you. Yeah, so so very wonderful. Now, I just wanted to say that both both these titles um, help me to better understand myself, be able to see myself in new ways, and really open my my eyes. It opened up my mind, opened up my heart, and you know. And I also watched your your TED talk, and I want to make sure that I link to your your newly released TED talk also as well. We'll put that in the show notes as we as we always do. And I just wanted to read just as context here, so people get a a feel for this. Bittersweetness is a tendency to states of longing, poignancy, and sorrow, an acute awareness of passing time, and a curiously piercing joy at the beauty of the world. It recognizes that light and dark, birth and death, bitter and sweet, are forever paired. If you've ever wondered why you like sad music, if you find comfort and inspiration in a rainy day, if you react intensely to music, art, nature, beauty, and you probably identify with the bittersweet state of mind. I can't recommend this book highly enough, Susan. So, you know, why is it that we find beauty in sorrow and in, in, in heartache and longing? You know, how does that connect us to, to the wondrous? Yeah, I mean, so in some ways, this book actually started with, with a very specific question, which is that all my life I have been trying to figure out why it is that music that is ostensibly sad did not really make me feel sad. Instead, it made me feel kind of uplifted. And, and it gave me a sense of communion with all the other people who have known the sorrow that the musician is clearly trying to express and a kind of awe that music could actually take something that clearly begins in heartache and then transform it into something so spectacularly, miraculously beautiful. I just wanted to understand what the heck was going on there. And so at first, it started out as this kind of narrow question of, well, why do we like sad songs? But I quick re quickly realized that it was much, much bigger than that. And it's really about a kind of way of being in the world that we are taught not to embrace, but that our artists and writers thinkers, theologians have for centuries been telling us is kind of the hidden pathway to transcendence and connection. It must have been interesting for you to find out that you weren't alone 
And when that experience that you have when you listen to sad music and found that connection to others, connection to yourself also as well, did your research uh, show this as well? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it turns out researchers, psychologists, neuroscientists have been looking at, at this exact question because I'm not alone. So we know that people will listen to the happy songs on their playlists 175 times, but they'll listen to the sad songs 800 times. Wow. Yeah. And they tell researchers, they tell them the same thing I just told you. They say that they associate sad music with with wonder and awe and transcendence. Um, like researchers call it the the sublime emotions. But the thing is, it's not just music. I mean, as you said, there's the paradox of tragedy. Like, why do we like rainy days? Why do we like movies that make us cry? Why do the Japanese and we, to some extent, love cherry blossoms the way that we do? They're beautiful flowers, but the reason that we love them in the urgent way that we do is because these are flowers that that die quickly. And there's something about that combination of the beauty and the impermanence that is speaking to us about a very deep truth of our natures. And there's something about the fact that we are all in this together, in this state of living in a deeply beautiful yet deeply imperfect world that will sometimes break your heart. That gives us a sense of deep communion that we're not paying enough attention to, especially in these times that are so, you know, so fraught and so divided. To have that division sitting alongside a culture that's telling us be positive all the time, it's robbing us of one of the most potent tools that we have to actually see each other and love each other. And I want to talk a little bit about positivity because a lot of you see memes and inspiration and sometimes I'm guilty of this also as well. You know, everyone wants to have a positive mental attitude and they just say, put a smile on your face and you kind of, you know, take charge of that situation. But, you, you know, your research has found that there's a, there's a place for that. And also, you know, there, there, we are this, what a, like a, we have a spectrum of emotions and they all they'll serve, you know, a, a deeper purpose. Yeah. That- that's right. So one of the one of the researchers who I talk about in the book, her name is Laura Karstensen, and she has actually found that older people tend to be happier, feel more gratitude, less prone to irritation and anger. You know, in connection with the deeper side of life, kind of some some of the stereotypes I suppose you would hear about age being associated with wisdom. But here's the thing: she found that this wisdom has nothing to do with age per se. What it has to do with is the fact that older people are more in touch with the fragility of life simply because they have fewer years left. But when she looked at people who had other young people who had other reasons of their own to be in touch with the fragility of life, they had those same characteristics as the older people. So this is a like this is a wisdom and a happiness that we could all be in touch with but it just requires being able to look the fragility of life in the eye and not run from it screaming and or terrified but instead to see the beauty in it. Can I ask if you when you were doing your research was there anything surprising to you? Did anything stand out in that in that process? Did any 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 examples or you know, data that came from it or stories that came from it that gave you maybe not necessarily shock, but, you know, you're in awe of or maybe you weren't expecting. What's interesting is what's under the surface of people once they truly tell you their stories. And I saw this again and again with my research. So, for example, in one of the chapters, I interview um, one of our great psychologists. His name is Dacker Keltner. If you meet Dacker one day, just passing, let's say at a party, he will strike you. You know, he's got like flowing 
blonde hair. He's a very athletic surfer aura. He has a big smile. He seems like kind of just like the essence of pure joy and warmth. And he is those things. But when you when you sit and talk to him, he'll tell you that sadness is at the core of who he is and that that's part of his temperament. It's also part of his upbringing. I mean, I, I, I tell his story at some length in the book, but it turns out that it's no accident that the, some of the research he's done has shown us that humans bond with each other in part because we respond to each other's sorrow. This is because we evol evolutionarily we are primed to respond to the cries of infants, but that means we don't only respond to the cries of our own babies. We end up being primed to respond to the distress of any other being. And of course, we don't always get this right and it's not always perfect, but this is part of, of who we are. And, and, and um, Dacker has shown that this is embedded into our nervous system. Like we have a vagus nerve, which is the biggest bundle of nerves in our bodies. And it's responsible for our breathing and our digestion and, you know, so our most fundamental drives. And it's also our vagus nerve that responds when we see another person in sorrow, like our vagus nerve becomes activated in sympathy. So this is a very fundamental part of us. And again, the, this research comes from somebody who presents on the surface as a pure beacon of positivity, which is also who Dacker is, but he's bittersweet as we all are. And I guess that's one of those things that just surprises me over and over and over again is the way, is the vast difference between the way we present to each other and what we're truly feeling. And I guess I would also say, like, you know, for anyone who's listening who does feel like, oh, yeah, I am that kind of person who really likes to listen to sad music or, you know, I do love rainy days and why do I love that? And I'll tell you, there's a we did a bittersweet quiz um, that we came up with for the book and found that people who score high in this tendency to bittersweet states of mind like this, it's associated with a lot of different things that are interesting. It's associated with high sensitivity. It's also associated with a predisposition to absorption, which is a state that leads to creativity. Also to states of awe, wonder, transcendence, um, kind of to a spiritual state of mind. It's tapping into a, a kind of religious impulse. It is, and for some people, this experience is expressed explicitly through the longing for, you know, whether it's Mecca or Zion or the Sufis call it beloved of the soul. You know, it's like a longing for that better world. So for some people, it's explicitly religious. For some people, it's it takes different manifestations. But at the end of the day, it's all getting back to a state of mind that connects us to transcendence. So I just want to say to the, to the bittersweet people out there listening, there's something to the way you're feeling. Yeah, it connects us to, to the wondrous, really. Exactly. Absolutely. The, the book is incredibly inspiring and, and deeply insightful in terms of when people are finished reading the book is there is there something that you would hope is different before maybe who they were before they were reading it and maybe afterwards and, and maybe and, and i don't know maybe it's a, a they're in their perception in their mindset maybe the way they're viewing themselves or viewing things outside of them or maybe a, a small behavior you would like them to 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 make a shift in or Oh my God, there's so many things. Um, I, I guess I'll give you two for now. So one is that we are taught in our culture that the main road is when everything's going well, you know, your job's going well, you've got good health, everything's good, peace, everything. And that when bad health comes or something happens in your work or whatever it is, that that's like 
a detour off the main road. And that is a fundamental misperception of life that does us a great disservice. It is all the main road. You know, the the joys and the sorrows together, they are all the main road. So all the emotional resistance we have when terrible things happen, the thing is terrible, yes, but part of what makes it terrible is the resistance we have, like the kind of, why me? Why is this happening? Instead of accepting that it's all the main road. And that's that's a very liberating perception that can really help us when those moments come. The second thing I will say is because we're all at some point going to experience not only joy, but also sorrow, there's the question of what do we do when the pain comes? And we have two choices, really. It's a kind of fork in the road. You know, and one choice is not to fully accept it. And then we end up taking it out either on ourselves down the road or on somebody else. Or we have the choice of looking at the pain, saying, this sucks, I don't like it. Um, But how can I turn it into something else? Whether trying to heal somebody else who has suffered that same pain down the road or you know, maybe through turning it into some kind of a work of art, by which I don't mean you have to like go out and become the next world famous artist. It, it can be a small act of beauty that you create just sitting inside your house. I would say whatever pain you can't get rid of, make it your creative offering. I love that so much. And this could also enable us, same thing with quiet. Not only did I gain so much insight of, about myself, but also in the people around me. And so when other people are going through through struggles or adversity or some kind of difficulty, I really do believe that that bittersweet can bring us together in a deep and and real real unexpected ways. Well, thank you so much. I, I feel like everyone needs to go get this this book right now because it's same same as quiet with quiet. I felt like it gave me insight to get me to know myself, but it also gave me permission to be myself also as well, which is, which is incredibly, use the word liberating, you know, where I feel like I could, I could be more free and you could surrender to that. And when you're going through difficult times, you know, you to be able to, to lean into it and be able to experience that and then use that also as an opportunity for, for introspection, for growth, for healing, for tapping, connecting more with our, our purpose and connecting more with, with others also as well. I want to put links to everything in our show notes. People can find that as always at jimquick.com forward slash notes. I want to link especially to uh, the newly released uh, TED Talk that you have, which is talks about the hidden power of sad songs and, and rainy days. And also on Spotify, you you have a playlist for for Bittersweet. I do. I do. I have a playlist of some of my favorite bittersweet music. Um, Right now it's the top 40, but I intend to be adding to it over the years because as I said to you before we started, I have an endless list (laughs) of music for this, uh, for this state of mind. So amazing. And then they could get their copy of bittersweet where, wherever books are sold. Yes. So you can get your copy of the book wherever books are sold. You can come to my website, which is susankane.net. And there's a page right on there that will lead you to uh, Amazon or your favorite independent bookstores and uh, also to join my newsletter. You know, I, I bought three copies uh, just right, right before we started recording. And I, I recommend everyone do the same. You know, so wherever you're consuming this, engaging with this content, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, on social media, maybe on YouTube, I would I would ask everyone to take a screenshot of this and post it and tag Susan, uh, tag myself also as well, so we get to see it. And uh, maybe we could ask them one question that they could put in the post while they're sharing 
while they're sharing this conversation with their their friends and followers. What would you like to ask everybody? Yeah, I guess one question we can ask is, do you find comfort or inspiration in a rainy day? Yeah, and in, in, in any of those things, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested for people to share if something in in their experience, something, you know, a bittersweet experience that they have and, uh, and tag us so we get to see it because that's part of our joy. Yeah, that's actually another good question, just what, what, what is a great, what is a bittersweet moment or experience you've had? So people could take their pick. I'll make sure you tag us in it so we get to see it. I'll repost some of my favorites. And those three books that I got, I'll give two of them away uh, to, to somebody in our community. And I encourage everyone to do the same. Get get multiple copies of Bittersweet, you know, one for yourself. But you learn, you know, I always think that you, you learn so that you can be able to share with other people, so you can be able to teach. And one of the best ways, I think, this is an, this makes an amazing gift for people. It'll open their eyes again, like it did for me in their their minds and also also their hearts. So, oh, Jim, so, thank you so much. I mean, this has been a labor of love for so many years. So to know that it connected with you in this way is just the most amazing feeling. Thank you so much. Yeah, Susan, thank you for writing this book and all the research, and for sharing it with with so many people who will be rewarded and benefit from it. Thank you, everyone who's listening. As as always, uh, make sure you you share this episode, uh, leave a review uh, if you feel if you feel compelled to. And I'm um, your brain coach, Jim Quick, and we'll see you in our next episode. Remember to be limitless. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team could properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our quick success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your Limitless Book Club, where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour, uh, share going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.